This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We'll be focusing on the words from Acts chapter 11. We've been going through a sermon series, and, and this connects with not just our sermon series, but our Thanksgiving uh, Eve, and so I'll read from Acts chapter 11. And this is about uh, how God's word scattered throughout the world, and then when there was a time of famine and tragedy, look at what God's people do, and that'll connect us with Thanksgiving. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done, and he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. He was the one who killed Stephen originally, became a Christian. And he went and found him. He, he brought him to Antioch, and for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. That's where the Christian name comes from, this verse. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up, through the Spirit, and predicted a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us here. We thank you for this building. We thank you for our homes. We thank you for our food. We thank you for our income. We thank you for all the blessings. Every good and perfect gift comes from your hand. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your acceptance. We thank you for this time to set aside to just hear from you. And so, Lord God, don't let me get in the way of what you're doing. Amen. Milwaukee is probably one of the most segregated cities in the U.S. Now, that's not my idea. I was speaking to a pastor who has been serving in the Milwaukee area for for about 16 years, and we were talking about the different challenges of, of serving in the Milwaukee area, and he said one of the greatest challenges is Milwaukee has to be one of the most segregated cities in the U.S. He said, we're divided. We're divided racially, we're divided financially, we're divided socially, we're divided religiously. There's a, a different church on every corner, We're divided in this area. Now, I'm not sure to what degree you believe this pastor, 
But I think we all can admit that at some level, there is quite a bit of, of division and segregation when it comes to the greater Milwaukee area. And this is not a new problem. This is something that, that's gone back uh, in time. This is actually something that was a major issue in the early Christian church. In fact, it was one of the issues in the early Christian church. I, I started to bring that topic up a couple weeks ago. The division between the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews and the Greeks. There was tons of division even in the Christian church. And so then and now, there's a question that I hope we can answer. And we're going to try to answer this evening as we go into God's word. It's how can we begin to break down the walls of segregation, the walls that separate us? Today's Thanksgiving Eve, but we're also finishing up a sermon series, a series that, that we've been going through called Welcome to Victory. We're talking about um, what it means to be part of victory. We're looking at our mission and vision as a church, and we've been focusing on the book of Acts. Acts is the early Christian church, and so we're comparing what it was like to be part of the first Christian movement and what's it like to be part of Victory Now, and we're comparing our core values and the, the core values of the original Christian church, and so we've looked at what it means to be a welcoming church, like the early Christian church was a welcoming church, and, and how to be joyful in the face of persecution, and then again a couple weeks ago I talked about being connected in a disconnected world, connected with our community, and then last week or last Sunday, uh, Pastor Bill talked about pursuing excellence, and Tonight, we're going to focus on the core value of generosity. This is a core value of the early Christian church, and it's a core value of this congregation, what it means to be a part of victory. And I believe as we look at generosity, we will actually come to find some answers to how we can begin to break down these walls that divide us. So we're going to dive into that section I just got done reading from Acts chapter 11. And we read this. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution that had broken out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. So there was this persecution that, that, that broke out in Jerusalem against the Jewish Christians. Actually, Saul was the, leading that. Saul thought that, that Christianity was bad, and so he led this movement to condemn Christians, and a man named Stephen was the first person martyred. He was stoned, and, and the Jewish Christians said, I'm out of here. And so they scattered throughout the world uh, uh, to, to, to Syrian, uh, Syria and Phoenicia and, and all these different places. But then we hear a little detail. When they scattered, they shared the word of God only among the Jews. They spread God's word only among the Jews. Now, this is understandable. Uh, it's understandable that, that, that we like to be around people who are like us, whatever us is. Uh, you might find yourself gathering around people that maybe are, are similar. You have a similar taste of food or, or you like the same sports team or, or maybe you, you gather people of, of the same background or ethnicity or race or, or religion or, or belief system or you spend your money the same or you, you like the same things. And, and, and that's natural to, to gather and really get close with people who are like you. But God gave us a bigger mission a mission to, 
to go to be witnesses to the ends of the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people, and background, to everybody. And thankfully, there were some Jewish Christians who believed Jesus' mission. Because um, we read this in the next verse. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So there was a group of of Jewish Christians that didn't believe that God was starting this holy huddle. There was a group of early Christian um, Jews that didn't think that they were just the, the frozen chosen. They believed that, that, that God's mission was bigger than their race, their ethnicity, their background, their, their likes, their dislikes. And so they started talking to the Greeks. Somebody, people who were racially different, spoke a different language, had different customs, different likes, different dislikes, and it exploded. The church grew like crazy. It grew so much that they said, hey, we need more pastors. We need more leaders. Come and help us. And so they sent for a man named Barnabas, and we hear about that. It says, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So he sees this, and and while people are coming to faith everywhere, and, and then he starts to realize, I can't handle all these people. This church is going like crazy. And so in verse 25 we read, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. You know that guy who used to kill Christians? Well, in the meantime, he became a Christian. And, and, and Barnabas says, this is exactly the guy that I want to be with me doing this work. So he says, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So that for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. So Saul had this whole new way of looking at the world. Now he believed that Christianity was true and Barnabas and Paul started, and Saul started preaching God's word for a whole year. And their preaching and teaching was so transformative. It changed these Greeks so much that the people, when they looked at these Greek Christians, they said, you're not Greeks. You don't act like Greeks. You don't talk like the Greeks. You're not even talking like the Romans. No, you guys, we're going to start calling you Christians. And that's what we read here. That the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. It was, it was an incredible movement that these Greeks... Um, started believing in Jesus and they started changing their whole background. They stopped acting like everybody else in the rest of the world and it was so transformative that they started being called Christians from outsiders. People looked at them and said, you act like Christ, that guy we heard about, you're Christians. Huge blessing. But it created a problem because now you have this whole new group of people, um, these Greeks, called Christians, and and then you have this other group of people called Jewish Christians, Jewish followers of Jesus. And, And yeah, they believed in the same Jesus, but in every other way they were different. 
And there was this dividing wall of hostility. Racially, they were different. Ethnically, they were different. Uh, the Jews practiced different um, religious festivals. The Jews still followed the kosher laws and, and some of the Sabbath laws and some of their Old Testament laws. And the Greeks, these new Greek Christians, they didn't know anything about it. So they had different worship styles and they had different ways of worshiping Jesus. And so there were all these ways that they were divided. And so the question they were trying to figure out the answer to was this. How can we begin to break down the walls of segregation? That was the early Christian question. And that's a good question even today. A question that we need to answer. How can we begin to break down these walls that divide our city? How do we begin to, to break down these differences? And, and there are different, there's these walls that are in our city, these, these things that separate us. We're divided racially. We're divided ethnically. We're divided socially, economically. Different people live in different parts of the, the, the community. There's all these divisions. And then there's the division also religiously. Now, some of the division is over uh, different doctrines, different teachings, what you believe about Jesus. And, and that's true. And, and, and we got to talk about those. But so often, there's divisions based on preferences, this idea that one way to worship Jesus is better than other. I like it this way. I like it that way. And these are unnecessary divisions that don't matter. God doesn't prefer a band or he doesn't prefer an organ. He doesn't prefer any of these different things. God has a people. But there's all these different divisions. And so what are we going to do about it? Well, what did the early Christian church do about the divisions that were amongst the people? We read in verse 27, During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted a severe famine that would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. And so there was a prophet who, who said, you know, things are going to get bad. The economy is going to tank. Um, the famine is coming. And it's true. I mean, if you wanted to do the research, you can go back into ancient um, historical texts from, from ancient Rome and you can find that there was a famine during the reign of Claudius. This happened. And it was especially difficult for the Jews living in Jerusalem. And when there's a famine, when there's problems, when there is disaster, when there is trauma, these walls that we put up, they don't matter much anymore. Do you know what happened? Do you, do you remember 9-11? That when, when those planes hit the towers, all the different things that divided us didn't matter anymore. We just knew that there were some people that were hurt and wanted to do something about it. When the, the economy tanked and, and maybe you saw your neighbor, or maybe it was you who went into foreclosure, all of a sudden you want to take care of that person. I know in the city that, that I used to live in, Winona, there was a, a, the, the river flooded and people's houses got washed out and people and neighbors who, who never talked to each other all of a sudden started talking to each other. They knew that they needed to help each other out. And that's what happened here. Because we read in, in the next verse, it says, the disciples, these Christians, these Greeks, as each one was able, according to their blessing that God had given them, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. 
This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Do you realize what's happening here? So these Greeks that were so divided with these Jewish Christians, these Greeks heard that their, their Jewish brothers and sisters were, were starving, that there, this famine was affecting them. And they said, let's raise an offering. Let's get some money together and let's send it over the, the divide, over the wall of hostility, and let's take care of our brothers and sisters. And Paul saw this as, as such a huge blessing, as, as a focus of his ministry, that if we had the chance... I'll do it. I don't know if anybody else wants. We could read the rest of the book of Acts. We could hunker down tonight, read the book of Acts. And as we read the book of Acts, you would find that this was Paul's heartbeat. He was always looking for ways to share the gospel. But every time he shared the gospel, he was told by the apostles to never forget the poor. And that was something he was always eager to do. Everywhere he was going, he was gathering funds to take care of the people on the other side of the fence the people on the other side of the wall. Because Paul had this deep conviction that one day there would be no walls. And one day these, these walls would be taken down because they'd already been taken down in Christ. He wrote about this in a letter to the Ephesians. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, he said it this way. But now in Christ Jesus, you, he's talking to the Greeks, you Greeks were once far away but you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. There used to be this wall between you and God. And now because of Jesus, there is no wall. You, you get access to God. You're, you're forgiven by God through the blood of Christ. By this gift of Jesus, he's broken down this barrier, right? For he, that's Jesus, for he himself is our peace, who has made the, the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So what Paul is saying here is, um, again, this is a guy named Saul, but he also went by Paul. He, he's writing this. He's saying, God made this way where he, he's taken away the barrier, the wall that divides between us and God. And so there doesn't need to be walls that divide us and each other. That God has destroyed these, these, these barriers, these walls that we put up racially, ethnically, religiously. He's destroyed all these walls in Jesus Christ. Because his purpose was to create a new humanity. A humanity that was one. That, that maybe is different, you know, likes a different football team or likes a different food group or likes a different style of worship, whatever it is. But one humanity, one group that loved each other. That was his purpose. In living, dying, being resurrected to take away the barrier between us and God and the barrier between us and our neighbor. But we don't live under this reality right now, do we? We have, we have walls that we put up all over the place. Racial walls or financial walls or, or, or social walls or religious walls. All these walls that we put up all over the place. And, and these walls have been up in our community for over a hundred years. And so I don't think one sermon or one church is going to be able to turn back that clock. But I do think 
that these walls are keeping us from doing what Jesus has called us to do. That's loving our neighbor. Loving our neighbor who might be different than us, even loving our enemy who we don't like necessarily and doesn't like us. So what can we do? What can we do? Well, again, let's take our cues from the early Christian church. What the apostle Paul did is he gathered an offering. He saw people on the other side of the wall, people who were suffering, people who were different, people who were going through a difficult time. He gathered an offering, not just because he wanted to meet the needs of the Jewish Christians. He wasn't just trying to meet their needs. He also wanted to create an opportunity to break down the walls of hostility. Because here's what Paul believed, and here's the, the main point I hope you take away, that a gift opens the door for the giver. When there are walls between you and somebody else, a gift opens up the door to the giver. When you give a gift, all of a sudden you, you break through that wall and, and you begin a friendship. You begin a, a friendship. You, you, you gain trust. You have an opportunity to love this person when you give a gift to somebody who's in need. Give a gift to somebody who's hurting. Give a gift to somebody who's suffering. Give a gift to that, that person on the other side of the, whatever wall that is. But Paul is not just about bringing us together Paul believed that giving this gift was a way to open up the door to the ultimate giver, Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. That, that, first of all, that you would get this. That God loves you in Jesus Christ. That he has forgiven you. That there is no barrier between you and God. That he has paid for all of your sins. You are at peace with God. No matter how, much, how many walls you have put up in your life, you are at peace with God. He's broken through that wall with the gift of his son. And now he's calling you to give a gift to break down the walls in our community. And so, how are we going to begin? Again, we're not going to solve all these issues. How can we begin to break down these walls of segregation, these walls that separate us? Give a gift. Give a gift. Whatever you have to do, throw it over the fence. Sneak it under the door. Put it in through the crack. Whatever you got to do, begin to give a gift to the person on the other side of the wall. Um, whatever has been dividing you, that person who's hurting, that person who's been through trauma, that person who needs help, give a gift to them. That's been something that's been the heartbeat of this congregation since it started. I remember seeing this from a, from a distance away. Um, there was a campaign that was raised, uh, that, that started to, to, to raise funds for this building. It was called the More Than Bricks Campaign. And I remember hearing about this campaign. I was so moved by it because a large portion of the, the funds that were raised were used to give to the community. See, there was this understanding that, that maybe there's a wall of hostility between the Christian church and the Franklin community. Maybe, there's, uh, maybe they, they don't know who we are or what we're about, so we're going to give a gift. We're going to bless this community. We're going to give a gift to open up the door for the giver. We were so moved by in the previous church I was in that we gave to the More Than Bricks campaign because we were so moved by, by that motivation. And now we're, we have a linked campaign. And we're raising funds to pay down the debt of this place, to get more staff and to start more churches. Um, but again, a large portion of the gifts are going to go straight into the community, straight into Franklin. Because we believe that, that a gift opens up a way to the giver. We know that there are walls of hostility that we want to break down with the love of God. We want to put that love into action. 
And that's just part of our core value here, a core value we learned from the first followers of Jesus, a core value that, that we believe strongly here, and a core value that we want to be part of your life. That you would give a gift. That whatever walls of hostility that are up, that are not necessary in your life, that, that maybe you've created walls that don't need to be there, uh, maybe racial walls or ethnic walls or religious walls or social walls or financial walls, whatever they are, that you would give a gift to that person hurting on the other side, that person who needs your help. And you're saying, well, that sounds great, Pastor, but I've already spent my Christmas budget, <laughs> right? And it's not even Black Friday yet, right? <laughs> I've already spent it all. I don't have anything to give. So we're going to give it to you. In a moment, we're going to be handing these baskets out and every family is going to take money from the basket. You're all going to take an envelope and you are going to use that to bless somebody in the community. You're going to find somebody on the other side of the wall, whatever wall that is, and you're going to bless them. You're going to give them a gift. You're going to take care of them. You're going to, you're going to break down these walls of hostility. And now you're thinking, well, pastor, who do I give this to? I don't know. Well, pray about it. Especially if you have kids and a family. I mean, what, what a beautiful thing. Gather your family together and, and let's pray about this, guys. God, give me eyes to see the walls of hostility that are up in our community, the, the person that's hurting in my community, the person that's hurting in my neighborhood, and let me bless them. God, open my eyes to see who needs to be helped. And then expect God will bless you. Now, this isn't a magic formula. You know, some people aren't going to get it. Some people are going to refuse it. Some people aren't going to want it. Some people aren't, are, are not going to use it. But that's how God's gifts always work. Jesus died for the sins of the world. No exceptions. And how many people say, I don't want that. I don't want Jesus' love. I don't want his forgiveness. Uh, I think my sins are too bad or I like my sins too much. I don't want this, right? Some people re reject God's gift and, and, and we can't be a part of that. We can't, we can't force people to want a gift. But we can reflect the love of God just as much as God has given gifts to us and we are so thankful Thankful that we have food on our table. Thankful that we have a roof overhead. But thankful most of all that we are forgiven children of God. And we want that thankfulness to spill over into the lives of other people. And that's why we gather for Thanksgiving. It's an opportunity to, to, to remember how good God is. To eat a meal together and to, to thank God for how good he is. And look forward to the day when he returns. See, when, when God returns and, and he renews this world, he says that there's going to be people worshiping him, sitting around the table, believers from every nation, language, tribe, and people, of every ethnicity, every background. And they're all going to be gathered around, all us believers will be gathered around, around one table to worship Jesus, to eat with him. So I pray you have a, a great Thanksgiving. I pray you have a great, peaceful, blessed Thanksgiving. I pray that you have a great turkey. I pray that your football team wins. I pray that you have a great time together. I pray that it goes well. But I also pray this, that, that, that God would use you, even with a, an envelope of some money, that he would use you to begin to break down the walls that separate us. And maybe, just maybe, We'll see a slice, a slice, not just a pumpkin pie, right? We'll see a slice of God's kingdom. We'll see a slice on, of heaven on earth because a gift opens up the way to the giver.
Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, in a few moments, we're going to be handing out these envelopes, one for each family. And I pray, Lord God, that already you'd be preparing someone to receive it. That you would give us eyes to see the walls of hostility, the walls that divide us unnecessarily. That you would give us eyes to see the people who are hurting. That you would give us eyes to see the people that you love. That you would fill us up with your love. That you would show us how good you are. And then that love would spill over into our community. And when you do this, Lord God, we will give you all the thanks, all the praise. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.